Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guys. So today, it's going to be another one of those episodes where I ask that you kind of stick with me on this one. Um, some of the notes I prepared, well, it's meant to be a sort of experiment with my own uh, self-expression, partially motivated by this this show I watched on Netflix, uh, my current obsession with reading a bunch of Carl Jung, and kind of my recent encounters with the boy version of myself that's been following me around in my dreams. Like I experienced a dream and then I have like a, the me as a child following me around and it's really tripped me out. So it's really kind of made me think about things in, in a different way. So basically what I'm trying to say is I will not blame you for considering this kind of some useless, some useless ramblings of a madman, but you know, maybe that thinks he's way deeper than he actually is. Because to be honest, I ask myself that every day, so you know I probably would actually agree with you. However, as always, I have prepared this for you know myself, but also others, hoping my way of expressing myself helps others in their own journey of understanding the cosmos and themselves. You know, it's it's my way of you know, letting people know around me. You know, my way of expressing this stuff. They're not alone. Those weird thoughts you have, those scary thoughts you've had, those places your mind has been. You're not alone there, you know, and, and that's what I try to do. It's it's my way of doing that and my own way of expressing that. So, you know, that's why the people that listen to this, I hope that's who it resonates with. So I'd like to say I appreciate you all for putting up with me sometimes as I try to <laughs> figure out the best way to do the things that I'm passionate about and feel a calling to do, if that makes sense. So, but if you'd like some wackier thoughts before we dive in, the bonus feed is definitely where it's at. I've definitely been updating that more, a lot more. Um, I've been offering that exclusive newsletter, which I do dive into my dreams more, dive into my psychedelic journeys more, my ayahuasca journeys, and how those have impacted my thinking, how random encounters impact my thinking, random thoughts impact my thinking, all that type of stuff. So basically, if you like some of this and you want even more odd stuff, that's the place to go. And plus, it helps you know support me, helps support an independent content creator that's attempting some different ways of doing things, I guess you could say. But as always, you can also just support by sharing with friends, sharing on social media. I like just getting messages as well. I've been getting a lot more messages lately, which is, I just, I love those. It, it brings me joy in knowing that people appreciate appreciate it. And I also just appreciate people letting me know because I appreciate people that listen to me because it does, you know, it, it brings me joy that people listen to this. So yeah, but I think that's enough of that intro stuff. It is time to enter the library. So the journey of, of self-exploration, everywhere we turn and everything we do, it's a movement, a, a flow towards something. We often make a movement inwards, as I think we should. The journey of understanding your own mind, your own consciousness, in the hopes of finding answers. But what answers lie within the depths of your mind? What does that move inward bring us? Liberation or, or fear? Well, both. As you... <laughs> You can't have one without the other. So I've I've had my own experiences with my own 
internal void, as I'd like to call it, my own perception of nihilism, my own abyss. If you've been consuming my content for a while, you probably know many of my opinions about that place, that place within yourself and you know the place that lies within me. Ones, you know, we won't rehash necessarily today. We'll allude to some of those themes, but I see it as a place we all have in our mind. It's it's an archetype of the human psyche of sorts, in my opinion. A place of of mystery, a place of horror, a place of, of wonder, a place of nothingness, a place of doubt. It's the place that that creates the dream when you sleep. The same place that makes those dreams into memorable adventures and nightmarish horrors. However, the thing, the thing my mind has grappled with throughout my life is conceptualizing why this place is important. Why is it constantly there, buzzing in my head, in my mind? What makes many of us avoid acknowledging the existence of it? It's the place that creates doubt within us. But sometimes when we, when we lean into that doubt, we find ourselves in a dark place that we cannot find you know, the moves to pull ourselves out. So I see the void as a foundational archetype for the human psyche. You hear people talking about it, finding their, their higher selves, humbling themselves, finding wisdom, making peace with life, right? And finding joy in the, in the small things. All great things. These are common answers we hear when when we ask people the question, what is the meaning of life? The void is the reminder. It is the actualizer. It's that place. And when I say place, it's a place within you. We see it within, you know, some place in the, the collective consciousness around us. But it's that place also within you. You're connected to. That keeps you humble. That's why when I say things like, you know, if you've, if you've ever come to a point of believing everything I say, I'm failing at what I do because I want that place to be reminding me that I, I don't know. I don't know these things. These thoughts, this research I do is simply the ramblings of a student looking for others to learn from. So in that process of learning, I hope others find something within their own journey of, of being a student. There's no moment in time where where the student becomes the teacher. This age-old archetype in our stories, it's a cowardice description of the evolution of knowledge to me. We should all be students until the end. Those who call themselves teachers are the cowards who got caught up in their own narratives. They started they started they started overly believing their own bullshit and they they want others to do the same, embrace their narrative. It's a way for the teacher to spread their myth farther and wider. But should we strive to create our own? Do we, do we desire liberation or do we fall in line with fear, following someone else's narrative? Often the teacher starts overly believing their own BS, right? Many of the shortcomings that, that Sigmund Freud faced was his inability to admit he could be wrong. So he, he, he doubled down on his narrative he had insight, lots of good insight, changed psychology forever. But he was debunked on a lot. He was unwilling to accept insight from others. Thus, much of his work has been debunked. It was his arrogance, his arrogance as a teacher, that led to people like Carl Jung and Freud eventually devolving their friendship as the teacher, Freud, wanted the student, Jung, to fall in line with his ideas. 
However, however, Jung understood the importance of embracing the never-ending journey of the student. This brought him wisdom in later years. He was one of the first people to spread this idea that life is this continuous journey of understanding your own inner personality. The, the idea of continuous journey of understanding, that, that's been around forever. But your own inner personality, this constantly changing idea that your personality is this constantly moving thing. That's somewhat a new thing. The personality or the inner self is not something that is found and, and, and fixed. It's something that is, is constantly being cultivated. It's growing, changing, evolving, moving, flowing. So I had a shaman once express concerns for, for, for what I do through my writing, content creation, and, and podcasting. As many of you know, I'm also a, a ghostwriter. So I'm often creating a narrative for those much older than me and, and that have much more life experience and, and different ideas than me. Uh, the shaman was concerned that I had embraced the role of the teacher and could never take time to learn. So I was baffled by this. You know, was, how can one learn if they don't find a means to express their own internal thoughts? That was my thought. It's necessary. It's the expression of your thoughts that creates an opportunity for learning in my mind. That's how my mind operates. You cannot be a student without an outward expression of your inner self. Otherwise, you will find yourself confirming your own inner monologue. You will live in your own reality. And your own reality is not always matching a more collective shared reality of those you encounter. You will go mad not expressing yourself. But this thought stuck with me. What is the purpose of the teacher? I see us all as as students learning, moving, growing, and evolving. It's a constant cycle of give and take, a sort of dance within, within the human experience. The teacher becomes blind to their own teachings, thus finding themselves falling into a cycle of cognitive dissonance. The teacher begins wanting to only see themselves as the teacher, as though they've evolved to some next state or some next progression. So when we move into the into the perception that that we move towards a, a, a progression, we overly fixate on a future endpoint, which creates this perception of some ultimate truth for our for our own inner self to fixate on. So the teacher wants to see themselves as a teacher. Thus only wants to teach. Sometimes they stop wanting to learn. Now, now, maybe the better way to put this as I think about this, we must embrace the give and take of constantly moving to and from a, a state of being the teacher and being the student. Because as I, as I do think, many teachers embrace the life of the student. But I also see, especially as those that call themselves gurus, they think they've achieved this full understanding of the mind, of life, and some truth, some enlightenment. They think of themselves as merely a teacher, and that's it. It's foolish. It's it's silly. You cannot be a great teacher if you ever stop calling yourself a student. So I want you to keep that in mind because it's a little bit, it's slightly off topic, but I try to make that part fit. But back to the void. So we see the idea of the void expressed through, I think, the hero's journey, the archetype found in many of our stories. This is what the Odyssey, Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, Harry Potter, um, and many other stories represent. They are an external expression of a journey that take place internally. 
we see the external expression of that inward journey, that place you must overcome, accept, embrace, and love. That is the void. You live with it. You respect it, love it, and fear it. All at fucking once. What do you do when you remember that place? Do you embrace the tradition or you say fuck you to the narratives around you? When you say fuck you to those narratives, that's when you start creating and that's where you find your potential. You embrace the light and dark. In a sense, it's, it's a place where madness and peace lie simultaneously. For me, I see them as a yin and yang. But I have a story for you to, to kind of express this mystery of the void, of madness and mystery. So in Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, the iconic character, uh, the Mad Hatter, gives a riddle to Alice. He says, why is a raven like a writing desk? And later on in the story, he asks Alice, have you guessed the riddle yet? And Alice replies, no, I give up. What's the answer? And Hatter says, I haven't the slightest idea. Now... You might be thinking, what is the point of that? But but what I found fascinating is that Carol actually never intended for there to be an answer to the riddle. It was to remain a mystery. It was a question with no answer, but also every answer. The answer is whatever you want it to be. Although whatever you want it to be might not really be the answer. And that's okay. But wait, here's what I found that adds to the idea of the mystery. Our culture viewed this riddle as something to attempt at solving. They wanted to embrace the madness of the mystery. They wanted to embrace the void. The answers they found, they would, they would have to live with them, embrace them, but ultimately live with not knowing for sure. There was no certainty in that, in that journey. A famous puzzle expert, for example, Sam uh, Lloyd, suggested possible answers. People wrote in their answers to the Lewis Carroll Society. And Stephen King even inserted a potential answer in his famous horror novel, The Shining. And I will be providing none of the answers in this episode. As this is my point, you must embrace the mystery of not having an answer. You can look, you can learn, and try to understand the answers of others. But ultimately, it's your mystery to embrace. It's your riddle. You are your own riddle. Anyway, what motivated these thoughts today, though? Well, okay, so I kind of mentioned in the beginning, I watched this episode of Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix, and they had this uh, this adaption of a short story beyond the Aqualia Rift. I might have fucked up that name, so I apologize. But I thought about summarizing this story, but I'm going to, cause I, but I also cause I want to avoid some spoilers because I want to kind of present this with the intent in mind that it will be better if you watch it after. It won't be necessary for what I present. However, it might help provide kind of that physical imagery to apply to this afterwards that I know that, you know, I sometimes need that anyway. So I'm actually going to allude to kind of a rough theme of the story, but I'm presenting this with more of a symbolic representation of the human psyche. You know, we have consciousness, right? We have this awareness to us as in, I think, therefore I am. But when we look inward, we sense our emotions and those those feeling states. Now, think of those moments you've had with anger, uh, sadness, joy, hope, terror, love, envy, and everything else. 
you felt the flows of those emotions. And, and, and within some of those emotions and those moments, you felt the overwhelming feeling, that feeling where you lash out, you break down, or, or, or feel those tears of joy roll down your cheek. And you wonder, where does that come from? The mind, maybe my material brain mechanisms, or maybe something yet undiscovered. So after a time, maybe you begin seeing that you add emotions to the social structures around you. An opposing political party, you know, brings you anger. A religious group brings you peace and also some anxiety. And your, your serious relationship provides that overwhelming feeling of love, but also eventual heartbreak. But wait, within your mind, what is beneath all of that? What it lies down in the depths? A hope for recognition that I'm experiencing all this. It feels real. I'm feeling suffering. I'm feeling joy. And I'm having moments of peace. Yet the thought comes, what is this for? I must be suffering for a reason, right? I must feel this, this love for a reason. I must feel this idea is right for a reason. I must, I must, I must. But does it must? Here's a Carl Jung quote that I hope kind of provides insight into what I'm trying to say. Be silent and listen. Have you recognized your madness and do you admit it? Have you noticed that all your foundations are completely mirrored in madness? Do you want to recognize your madness and welcome it in a friendly manner? You wanted to accept everything, so accept madness too. You see, for me, that's the void. Your own madness. Your own abyss. Remember a time you you woke up from a strange dream. Those times where it sets the mood for the day. Those times you look in the mirror and that moment comes, why am I in this body? I am that moment of, I'm really in this bitch. You look up at the stars, quite literally seeing a piece of the the external void. You arrive at a party. You find yourself shifting towards the walls of the room. We stare at the people surrounding us. A disconnect occurs. A moment of disconnect. And anxiety overcomes us. As for that moment, we don't recognize who or what we are. We wonder what is our place here in the cosmos. We wonder why the fuck are we at this party? We don't know anyone. So what are we left with? In that, in that abyss, that mystery, some find a religion, a community, or a political group, somewhere to provide a narrative. Although, do, do you find it curious that if you don't match up enough with a particular group, you find yourself cast out and no longer allowed? For if you dare question the group, you dare to remind them of the void? No, 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 no. Part of us desire this, all, these ultimate answers, this truth. But often the answers provided are those given by members of humanity just as confused as we are. They themselves trying to escape their own inner void. So they give out oversimplified answers of truth for aspects of life to offer validity to their own feelings, their own, their own desire, their own embrace of some bullshit truth. Getting people to follow those myths in return. However, this isn't how life in the cosmos works. If we don't allow moments of chaos within us, you will never find peace. As your own inner abyss will call you back, demanding attention. It's the place that provides us liberation as it holds an acceptance for who we are. Maybe consider this. If the description of yourself is, I'm normal, you are not close to your true potential. I promise you, 
the humbling nature of the abyss is the non-existence of certainty that you must be the one to make your life meaningful. You can, you can follow the narratives of others, clamping the chains on yourselves that they entail as those chains provide moments of peace. Surely, yet your abyss will come calling. Your abyss wants to liberate yourself from a more collective abyss that surrounds you because that collective abyss can consume you, truly consume you. You begin to realize life does not have to be that serious. The life of the mind has no rules. But how it relates to that Netflix episode, <laughs> I mentioned is, is it's it's a recognition that sometimes we are forced to continually wake up from the trance we in society put ourselves in, the trance that loop that often brings us suffering, as it acts as an avoidance in understanding the inner self, the abyss. You will send yourself into continuous, unconscious suffering if you avoid your inner abyss. But once you embrace the void, life becomes as meaningful as you desire. And for me, that might be my, my greatest hope for peace, is doing that, continually trying to do that. And as Nietzsche said, madness is something rare in individuals. But in groups, parties, peoples, in ages, it is the rule. So the abyss is all around us. So you might as well understand your own, as it's probably the closest thing to your own in a, to your own uh, liberation. Although you can you can dismiss everything I've said as, as the narrative of a madman, someone who lost his way, someone who just needs to find God or something. Something can be simply dismissed. Maybe everything I've said in this episode is meaningless ramblings of someone that has, has leaned too far into his own inner abyss. Maybe this episode was a creation of a meaningless riddle. Or maybe this episode as meaningful for you as you want it to be. But yeah, stay curious. That's all you really can do. <laughs> but that concludes this episode. It is time for you to get the fuck out of my lab. <laughs>